It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to a Buckeye Talk that will include the greatest listener question in the history, in the fine three-year thing. But that's how we number the episodes, but we've really probably done more like 170 episodes of Buckeye Talk. It's also been like four years or five years, hasn't it? What what was the first year? Wasn't the first year we did it 2015? Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I twenty fifteen. Yeah, the first one we did previewed the twenty fifteen opener against Virginia Tech. Yeah, I remember that because I actually listened to it. And we were driving. I was driving a Rutgers. Nice, because that was around one hundred. So I went, uh, made, made it a point. I wanted to listen to number one. So that's what we're talking about. This is an historic. Is it a historic or an historic? I never know. I, I would <laughs> say and. It's just it's just how you say the word historic. I think we should do more grammar because the schwa thing on the bus- the basketball podcast went over really well. Doug Maurice, Tim Bielek, Bill Landis, your Ohio State coverage team from Cleveland.com. Busy week. Let's break it down. It's Monday night. We're putting this up Wednesday morning, but it's or Tuesday night late, whatever. It's Monday night right now. Landis is getting on a flight to Boise in how many hours? It's 8.19 p.m. Monday night right now. Uh, 16 hours. In 16 hours. And then Bill will be covering the NCAA tournament in Boise. Tim, Tim is covering like 90 things at once. He was knee-deep in high school wrestling last weekend and will be knee-deep in... What? State girls basketball as well as some Ohio State women's basketball. Busy. I'm just hanging out. But no football this week. So there's not like a lot of pressing issues. Because I was trying to remember, we did the last podcast on Wednesday after we talked to the people that morning, right? Or no? We were Yeah, we had, we had, no. We had availability on Monday. So that's when we did the podcast. We did it after oh. we talked to all the guys. And, but, but, but we talked to, we talked to defensive linemen and receivers on Thursday. On Thursday. So since we have not talked about that. Correct. So we can talk about what we talked about with those guys. Yeah. Okay. We have more stories coming on that. I forget what we did. So here's where we stand. We are going to do a lot of food talk again because we have the greatest question in the history of Buckeye Talk to lean on. So we're going to do food stuff. We're going to do your questions, and we'll talk some about what we learned from the receivers and the defensive linemen when we talked to them last week. Um, but again, you can read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Follow us on Twitter at Tim Bielek, at BillLandis25, at Doug Maurice. Five-star reviews, always welcome. On iTunes. We're going to see if we got any new ones. The Bill Landis five-star review of the week. But let me begin with a 
direct message conversation on Twitter that I just had with the man we like to call at the Byler, Billy Byler, who submitted the question last week that is the basis of this podcast. I don't plan things in advance, but I thought, hey, we'll text this guy and see if he wants to come on the podcast right now and talk about his awesome question, which I'm teasing you about, not saying what it is, because that's called a podcast tease. So I text, Byler, you around. The little three dots come up on that, like he's responding, right? He says, on a flight and pulling away from the terminal at the airport now, flying to blank. I don't know if I should say where he is and where he's going. Maybe he doesn't want me to tell people that. Yeah. But he's at the he airport. The run. <laughs> <laughs> if the feds are listening, you're not welcome here. He's flying. Not sure how much longer I can get away with having my phone on. It's very dramatic. I respond, oh man, just know we are about to record the pod with your blank question. I don't want to say to the people what it is yet. You are the man. That's what I text to him. He responds, awesome, can't wait to hear it. Just got chewed out by a flight attendant for not paying attention to the instructions because I'm in the exit row. <laughs> Quote, but lady, it's Buckeye talk. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about with the dedication, putting the lives of his fellow passengers in peril. He's putting us, there could be 200 people on that flight. We're going to get banned by the FAA. Yeah. If the FAA is listening to this, you're not welcome here. Put the listeners of Buckeye Talk Nation ahead of his fellow passengers. That's how much our listeners care about Buckeye talk. Well, we know we have listeners on two separate continents. We know England's represented, China's represented. I, I would like, we could have a contest where we ask our listeners how much harm they <laughs> would cause other people in the name of Buckeye Talk Nation. I don't think we should do that. No, okay. <laughs> Again, if the cops are listening, <laughs> get out. We did not just encourage people to cause harm to other individuals. Here's the question submitted by Billy Byler. That is going to be the basis of this podcast. And then we'll get to your questions more about football. I don't know how... This this guy's profile, by the way, says he's a former sports writer. Mm. Which I find interesting. So he's smart. So he's... I mean, the finest minds in America. He clearly gets us. This is the question. Let's say fast food restaurants got their employees through a college football recruiting-like system... Which restaurants get the five-star employees? Who gets the three stars? Who clearly has a bunch of walk-ons? And our minds exploded as Bill Landis replied, that's a question from a man who gets the podcast. <laughs> and then as loyal listener, listener Ryan Sullivan replied, I think it's a little sad this hasn't already been discussed. <laughs> this guy should get the same amount of time as the robot professor, which is why we called Billy Byler tonight. And unfortunately, he could not join us because he is currently in the air. But that's what we're talking about. So we tried to come up with some of these restaurant recruiting, not rankings, but just how restaurants would, would go about their recruiting, their recruiting style. Now, I would like to say we'll start with what more listeners immediately chimed in about on Twitter when this question was asked, because... Billy Byler gets the podcast, and then the rest of these people got Billy Byler because we are a family. <laughs> Slippin' Jimmy Haslam at Vanilla Jordan. 
Great name. He says Chick Fil A. That's the five stars. Does anybody disagree? I do. That? Oh, yeah. what? Are you bringing a take on that a little bit later? Yes. Oh, I think. Don't you think you got you got because this is like the thing. When you're recruiting at a five-star level and you're going after five stars, you've got to be across the board. You've got to have facilities. You've got to have tradition. You've got to have an NFL pipeline. You've got to have great coaching, which equates to nugs, waffle fries, fresh-squeezed lemonade, the spicy sandwich. I think Chick-fil-A across the board has the kind of things that would draw five stars. Plus, you need people who will go above and beyond the standard expectations, which we'll get into later. And also, I have a lot of questions about this. But by the way, by the way, Chick-fil-A is clearly a college football restaurant because it's oh, closed yeah. on Sundays. Yeah. Wide open on Saturdays. Mm. If this was a question about restaurants that are NFL teams, we'd have to like disqualify Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. College, college football and Chick-fil-A. They're open on Monday and Thursday. Yeah, they'd be like a Mac. Yeah. Chick-fil-A is a Mac team. All right, so Slippin' Jimmy Haslam also said Burger King is getting a lot of walk-ons, which is just a <laughs> shot at Burger King. That's just clearly a shot at Burger King. Unless he's saying that Burger King just tries hard yeah. and is willing to like go to practice and not worry about playing time and raise the team GPA. And Burger King is the kind of place that is just happy to be fourth string and get the job done and is just glad to be part of the team. That's a compliment. Yeah. My biggest concern with this entire conversation that I think is interesting and fun and certainly on brand for our podcast is are we insulting employees of these restaurants? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking of it as really the employees of the restaurant, more as the brand okay. of the restaurant because it's, it's not like we're judging – that we say, oh man, I've been to this restaurant and the person working the fry baskets there was awful. They were, But I went to this other restaurant and the guy there making fries was great. It's really more about the food quality, the vibe of the place. Okay. So I don't think we are – no, that's not my intention. I think we can do it without hurting feelings. Okay. Not that I'm afraid of hurting anyone's feelings. Neither am I, but people are just working. Yeah. They're just working. Like I interpreted the question as mostly how you feel the experience you get from the employees is like, you know, the, the kind of quality, uh, you know, just the quality impression you get from the people working there. Do they do they perform like? See, that's what stars? I'm worried about. No, but here's but here's the thing: when you think about fast food restaurants, do you think about the employees? I don't. No, even I think about the, the food, but wasn't yeah. but wasn't. Isn't the word employee in the question? Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's I, we don't want to parse too closely a made-up question about fast food restaurant okay. employee recruiting rankings. So I don't think – I do not associate this with employees. It's more about do we think the restaurant's good or not. Okay. I just wanted to be clearly stated that whatever we say is not a reflection on the human beings who work for these restaurants. It is not. It is a – if we are taking shots – we are taking shots at the corporate hacks <laughs> who, either through choosing for their restaurant to have poor quality food or have lame advertising campaigns or that kind of thing, we're taking a shot at the bigwigs, the people making millions of dollars and driving these restaurants into the ground, not the individual hard workers who are underpaid and trying to make a living and I worked, I worked, I, I cooked chicken fingers in my life. 
Many people have been through that. I've ate a lot of them. <laughs> Let's lay down that baseline. I think that's fair. Bill Landis on his Facebook Live today did say, I've been to a lot of Taco Bells, but I've never been to Taco Bell Arena. Do you, did you do any research, by the way? As, this is not a basketball question, but why <laughs> the Boise Arena that you're going to is called Taco Bell Arena? I did not, um, but I'm going to write a 2,000-word story about it once I get there. And, and review. What do you think about Taco Bell, by the way? Do you like Taco Bell? Not really. Like, would you review, like, if, would you eat Taco Bell and Taco Bell? Oh, Arena? yeah, I would definitely do that. If that okay. I'm, I'm assuming you can, and I will. The, I know that Ohio State, I think, is it Lexington has the Yum Center? Or Louisville. Louisville? Yeah. The Yum Center, which is like KFC, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, is all Yum. Or maybe yeah. Yum, I think Yum might have sold them, though. But, so, Louisville, is, it's Louisville. Right, it's how they say it. Louisville, yeah, has uh, I think it's a Yum Brands Arena, which is KFC, but then their football stadium is Papa John Stadium. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's a big booster there. Yeah. yeah. All right, then cynical Negro, our guy at NW Drone Four Ten, chimed in with Chick Fil A is recruiting like Bama. Rallies is recruiting like Rutgers. <laughs> Mickey D's is like the U. Sometimes a lot of talent, other times quite the opposite. I thought that was tremendous. That's a pretty good analogy. McDonald's as the U is just like because you know what's you know what's good sometimes, just like a bur- like a yeah. burger, like a Big Mac and fries and a Coke, man. Yeah. It's sip like that's just get some U. But then like sometimes the ice the ice cream machine's broken. You know what I mean? <laughs> Next one's so funny. Justin Adams again. Billy Byler asks a question that really, in normal American society, makes no sense. And immediately, <laughs> listener after listener after listener just jumps in exactly on point. Justin Adams. Just one zero Adams. Dairy Queen has a lot of grad transfers and JUCOs. <laughs> Have you had, like, the $5 meal at Dairy Queen? Is that like the chicken finger box? It's like they get you and they give you a little bit of ice cream at the end. Yeah, I've had that. It's good. I actually saw it on the commercial the other day and I was like, man, that stuff's really good. And my girlfriend's like, when did you ever have that? It was like all the time when there's a Dairy Queen with a walking distance. Really? Really? Yeah. You're in on that. Tim, you're in on the Dairy Queen meal? I haven't had Dairy Queen meals in a long time. In fact, I didn't even have a Dairy Queen within 10 minutes of me until I moved here like six months ago. But meals are pretty solid. They give you the, you know, like the, the white gravy they give you at. Um, what's the what's the place with Bob the rocking chairs outside? Oh well, um, yeah, Bob Evans Cracker, has, yeah, Cracker, Cracker Barrel. Barrel. Um, Dairy Queen serves oh, God, its, serves, its, serves its chicken fingers with that same sauce, and it's really good. I'm writing down what Cracker Barrel is for recruiting. Um, I thought it was terrible. My children and I had a five dollar meal at Bur- at. Dairy Queen one time, and we were like, we're never coming back here. We were lured. They lure you in with the ice cream. Yeah. And then they make you eat subpar, like burger and fries. You get the burger or do you yeah. get the chicken? I think I got I've never burger. had. A, I've never had anything but the chicken. And it's like, why? If I really want this, why wouldn't I just go to like McDonald's or Wendy's and get a burger and then go to Dairy Queen and get ice cream? Yeah. Like, why are we smashing this all together? Good point. Matthew Lawless at Lawless Two Lawless. Jimmy John's has to be the Chip Kelly Oregon Ducks. <laughs> they are freaky fast. That is unbelievable. That's so funny. People are like up tempo spread offense is fast food, fast sub delivery. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like, I cannot believe that like Marcus Mariota is not a Jimmy John spokesman right now. That is ridiculous. He should be. I would never have made that connection. 
Matthew Lawless is so all over that. So that's just, again, that's immediately where people went. So I don't know if we can come up with stuff as good as that, but we can try. So we said we actually did a little pre-work on this. Most of the time we pull this podcast out of our collective asses in the moment. But Bill Landis, <laughs> let's start with your hard – now, that is your hard take about Chick-fil-A. Just explain. You have a Chick-fil-A. Yeah, you? so I was thinking about it, and here's what I thought about, about Chick-fil-A. Uh, Chick-fil-A, like, doesn't really do one thing. It kind of does one thing. and Like, there's variations of that one thing, but it does one thing. It does chicken. Um, it also forces its employees to adhere to a very specific style and like almost a script of things to do that I don't think is enticing to everyone. But if you can find the right people to do it, it works really well. So Chick-fil-A is Navy. Chick-fil-A is Navy. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is Navy. Chick-fil-A is the triple option. Disciplined. Yeah, which means it doesn't get five stars, but it gets the right kind of three stars. Wow. Maybe some walk-ons. Okay. Now you're talking about are you are you talking about in part because it's like the menu's a little limited? Yeah, it's a limited menu. Like all like if yeah, there's like variations of how you can run the triple option, but like the triple option is the chicken. And then there's like off branches of the chicken, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, that's the idea. But then also like you have to you have to say certain things when you work there. Like there's a very specific the script, like I said, that you have to adhere to when you're a Chick-fil-A how do you, Did you research Chick-fil-A? How do you know that? Uh, when I worked in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, um, at the newspaper there, one of the people who worked at the paper used to work at Chick-fil-A. And uh, I don't know if this is uniform across the board, but maybe there's variations of it depending on which restaurant you're at. But he said when he worked at Chick-fil-A, you had to say when everyone, whenever anyone came to the drive-thru or the counter, he had to say, it's a great day at Chick-fil-A. How can I serve you? And then you can, like, if someone says thank you, they always say my pleasure. They never say you're welcome. Wow. Also, there's an ethos there, like the idea of we're not open on Sunday. We're committed mm-hmm. to a certain um, thing that we believe in. There's an ethos with Navy, you know, that like we do our thing. We know most other people don't do this. Mm-hmm. But we don't care. We do our thing and we're disciplined about it. And it's been perfected. Perfected. Yeah. So you also you are giving a nod to Chick Fil A. No one runs the triple option better or more productively than Navy. Yes. You are giving a nod to Chick Fil A as the finest chicken. Correct. Limited, but the best. Yes. The other, I had another question though, and it was like how we should view places like McDonald's. Yeah. Because I thought, and maybe the U is a good description. Like, in my mind, McDonald's is a place that would attract five stars because McDonald's is like universally worldwide known as the best. Right. So that's how I – if I were to pick a place that would be attracting five stars, it would be McDonald's. And I looked it up, like the most profitable fast food restaurants, and it's McDonald's and it's not even close. Really? And okay. I guess like they have probably have more locations than anybody. They're yeah. Like, that's why, but – Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's – uh, there's a ubiquity associated mm-hmm. with McDonald's that I think the U at its – at its level of dominance, right? The U traveled, right? Yeah. Everybody was wearing the U jerseys and t-shirts yeah. and stuff. They had a brand. They had a clear brand, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like they – even like a brand – like McDonald's is such a brand and the U is such a brand. I even think beyond even necessarily like an Ohio State brand or an Alabama brand right now because it's not even Miami. Miami is not McDonald's. The U, the U. is McDonald's. Yeah. 
I think there's something like like the Ohio State is a thing like that. I think because I thought I thought McDonald's is Alabama, but then I thought about the brand, and I think while Alabama has had like the on-field dominance, I feel like Ohio State might be the strongest brand in college football right now. Yeah. Okay. All right, Tim, did you have one that you wanted to start off with, a Tim Bielek comparison? Well, when you describe Chick-fil-A as, you know, the standard and they don't stick with anything else, they're flexible, there's an example, there's a there's another team that popped my mind that matches everything you said but for completely different reasons, and that's Alabama. Alabama's always going to be who they are, and they don't care. You know, it has nothing to do with the fact that Chick Fil A is kind of a Southern institution, mm-hmm. which is which also is Alabama, but they do one thing, and they do it really well. And occasionally they have little add-ons in there as well. I mean, when I talk about Alabama, the one thing to do well is defense, and the add-ons are oh now they have a running quarterback, oh now that there's three hundred some pound defensive tackle Deron Payne catching a touchdown. They change a lot of things. They change some small things in there, but the core value is always there, and it is just constantly at the top, always striving to be number one, and they don't care about anybody else because they do it their way, and they are proud of their own standard. You know who's you know who's the, the most dominating brand in this discussion is Chick Fil A. Because immediately I thought about like who's Chick. You think about who's Chick Fil A. I was thinking who's Chick Fil A. I even wasn't even thinking like what restaurants Bama. I'm thinking yep. about what program is Chick Fil A. <laughs> That's how dominant Chick Fil A is. Yeah, I think it's it's. If you did a poll, I think Chick Fil A would come out as the top fast food restaurant in yeah. terms of what people like the most. So I so so I'm gonna I'm I'm I I think you could go either way. I think the Navy Chick Fil A is interesting. I think the Bama Chick Fil A is interesting. I think you get bonus points for a Southern association with Chick Fil A with mm-hmm. Bama, as you mentioned. Sorry, Georgia, because I know um, Chick Fil A was started in Georgia. There oh, goes, I, there goes Alabama. See a little more Georgia recruits. Okay. <laughs> Let me write that down. Georgia. I think I just. Well, came no, up Georgia's with the Georgia. still on the Alabama because Georgia's on the way back. Maybe they can reclaim Chick Fil A. Okay, hold on. Now I got a thing. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Donato's, near and dear to our hearts here at Buckeye Talk, and I'm gonna say that Donato's is Cincinnati because they have to recruit in Ohio because nobody outside of Ohio <laughs> understands them. <it. laughs> like if you're if Cincinnati's like trying to recruit like some kid from Texas. Or California, and I know that Luke Fickle's recruiting some other guys, but it's like it's what it's cut into what it's squares. There's a middle piece. Like people in Ohio, Cincinnati has a brand in Ohio. I was trying to think of like an Ohio brand that resonates in Ohio that's just not going to resonate outside the state borders very much. I think that's an insult to Cincinnati. Wow, that got that got that's like the 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 Donato's guy is definitely going to tweet us again. I think the. I like your like the premise is true like it is an it is an Ohio brand but I think Cincinnati I don't even know Cincinnati has not very, been a very successful pro- football program I suppose but it's too successful to be compared to Donatos well, I would compare Donatos to like uh, whatever the worst Division three school in Ohio is <laughs> Well here's mine wow. you mentioned they feed off Ohio you know who else feeds off Ohio and has success Michigan State. Michigan State has gone Ohio kids with for what seems like the last Michigan decade. Michigan State's way too good to compare to the Niners. But here's the thing. But 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 D'Antonio would be like, 
I'll, I'm cutting it into squares. I don't care if you're supposed to cut it in triangles. I'm doing it my way. <laughs> it's we're more efficient it, that way. We're cutting it into squares. And th- yeah. And think, who's the other big? Who's the only other Big Ten title team to reach the playoff? See now, now you lost me. Now you lost me because Donato does not play off pizza. No. Again, we're 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 gonna have different opinions. So, so that's not what this. But is. that's that's to you because you appreciate Donato's. Yes, as a pure Ohioan, I appreciate it. Okay. All right. All right, I think, but that is something. It's like it doesn't. It doesn't travel. It doesn't travel. Doesn't well. travel. Um, did you have another one, Landis? Or no, that all was Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A was like was the most thinking I did on this. Tim, do you have one? Another one? Um, I was kind of thinking about Wendy's. I mean, I kind of trying to think of the best way I want to associate Wendy's, and I would say Wendy's is Wisconsin. Okay, it's pretty I, good. I don't think they're super flashy, but you know what they do better than anything else? They get the job done. They do everything well. They do a lot of things well. They're not going to be flashy. It's not like Benny Hanna where they're putting on the show, at, where the chef is putting on the show at the table. But, you know, you're going to get quality every time. It's not going to, you know, win you a national championship or a Big Ten championship unless you have Russell Wilson. But it's good quality across the board. There, it's hard to find mistakes with Wendy's. Isn't Wendy's based in Columbus? It Wasn't is. Like founded in Columbus? Yeah, first one was in Columbus and they closed it. Like ten or twelve years ago, I also could envision Paul Christ giving like a three-minute speech about why the meat is fresh. Yeah, you know, like and just being never like, frozen patties. <clears throat> never frozen patties. Yeah, what, I'll buy that. What, what flavor frosty do you think Paul Christ prefers? <laughs> Vanilla. Yeah. Important question worth asking. I think uh, Cracker Barrels, Kansas State, because Bill Snyder's old. <laughs> I, added, I added that. When you mentioned uh, Georgia, poor Georgia, I thought Georgia, because Georgia is trying to be Bama, and and like they're already there, right? Mm-hmm. So if Bama's, let's say, no offense to your Navy Chick Fil A, let's say Bama's Chick Fil A, then Georgia's got to be a chicken place, yes. and it's a chicken place on the rise. So that's tr- that's spreading. So you could go Canes, because mm-hmm. I know Canes is spreading, or you could go Zaxby's, because like Zaxby's, Zaxby's is the southern chicken that I do think is expanding. Well, Canes is southern. Canes is uh, from Louisiana. And it's all, and it's all the way up here? Mm-hmm. And I, I, think- believe it, I believe it's a business that was started by two, either guys who were in school at LSU or like recent graduates of LSU, and I'm pretty sure the original is in Baton Rouge. Wow. So guys from LSU started a chicken restaurant, and what is Ryan Ginn doing with his life? Uh, he actually owns a Canes now. Nice. Um, so I just so a chicken. So yeah. So that's what I thought with with Georgia, and then my last big one is this is a high. This again. This is I didn't. I don't know if you guys were going to go here at all, but Chipotle is another one that is high level, right? It would be a compliment for any college football program to be compared to Chipotle, and I thought Chipotle was Clemson. Because I could see Dabo like starting you off and being like, "Hey, you want a burrito? You want a burrito bowl? Get your salad and like a little bit of everything. We got quarterbacks that can be dual threats. We got defensive linemen cranking them out. We got a little slot receiver. You want some of that on there? Little little <laughs> slot receiver salsa and Dabo just going down the line with that Dabo grin on his face. And you know, so here's you go. You go down the line, and this is a compliment." Dabo makes your burrito, and you go down the line, and you know who checks you out? Who? Marty Smith. Working oh. the cash register <laughs> with a big grin, happy, 
You leave Chipotle with a little defensive line, a little dual-threat quarterback, a little slot receiver jammed in your burrito. You're good to go. You feel great about your experience. Also, Chipotle is the most likely restaurant to, at one point, install a slide. Correct. the restaurant. Correct. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah. So, I didn't have any more. Did you have any more, Tim? Uh, I was trying – I was actually about to say Clemson was Blaze Pizza for pretty much the same reasons you said – and the fact that they had just blown up in the last few years. Because I'm, sh- I'm sure in isolated spots there was fast casual pizza. But in the last five years it's gone to a completely different level. It's obnoxious. Yeah. It's obnoxious now. But I agree. I agree. Yeah. I could see that. Um, okay. Everyone is um, tweeting me about robots that play basketball now. Have you guys seen the robot that can shoot a basketball? What seed did it get? It got it's a thirteen. Hmm. It's you gonna sure beat it Auburn. You sure it wasn't one of the first four out? Robot's gotta work on his free throw shooting, I think. I said let get back to me when a when a robot can like dribble drive on somebody. Um I'm at I'm at the point when I see a robot tweet, if I don't see someone tweet it at you, that I'm like surprised. Because I, I forget who tweeted this to me. I saw someone said something about robots and I saw two tweets directed at you, Doug, including at Jeff. They're everywhere. They're doing everything now. So again, just stay alert, people. That's all we say. Stay there was alert. a video of a of an Italian pizza maker trying to train a robot to make Neapolitan style pizza. Did the robot cut it into squares or triangles when it was done? Well, I would assume triangles, since it's meant to be authentic Italian pizza. It was actually crafted, I believe, by a couple Italian scientists. Nice. That's 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 I respect Italy if that's what their scientists are spending their time on. Not like curing cancer. They're making pizza making robots. Yeah. Let's get to some questions that may or may not have to do with football at some point. This just came in. Jian Wu at TWO underscore numeral four underscore WU. What fast food restaurant rotation would you recommend to Ben Victor to gain weight quickly before fall camp? Hmm. Like, I think two Kaniac combos a day will get you there. Is the Kaniac combo four? Six. That's six? Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's, that's near campus. Yeah, easy so to you get, can get that done. Yeah. Uh, bread, extra bread, too. Yeah. The bread's good. No slaw, extra toast. Do you think Ben Victor is, I don't know what word I would use, but does he have to get up and go? Like, we keep, we, we did a video last week, and we can, this is, this, this is a good excuse to actually half hour into the podcast, talk a little football. Mm. We did a video last week, and we listed the nine receiver options they have. Three of them at H-back in K.J. Hill, Paris Campbell, and Demario McCall. And then six outside receivers. Five on scholarship plus walk on C.J. Saunders. You know who they are. Ben Victor, Austin Mack, Johnny Dixon, Terry McLaurin, and Jalen Harris. That's nine guys. And they're not, they're not going to play them all. They're not gonna, the answer is not, oh, we have nine. Let's have a nine-man rotation. I think they're going to have a six-man rotation. Mm-hmm. Maybe if, if a guy or two steps forward... You know the rotation isn't even, but I think they're, I think they're locked into a six-man rotation as long as Urban Meyer and Zach Smith are here. So we did a video about like which three receivers do we think will be the most productive receivers in the fall. All three of us agreed on Paris Campbell and Austin Mack in our group of two. Tim said Johnny Dixon as his third guy. Who'd you say is your third guy? Jalen Harris. Harris. And I said KJ Hill. And let's be honest, what's the best answer there? It's KJ Hill. Canes. Oh, a different, different conversation. <laughs> which receiver is which restaurant? So I do think it's an interesting way to spin this of like, who's who's in danger? Who's not going to get on the field? 
because all nine are not going to get on the field. Who's the guy that in this battle should be thinking, man, I gotta, I gotta get up and go so I can get playing time? I think Victor would be a good one to to consider. Um, Terry McLaurin, obviously. I mean, the ones we didn't. Who are the three we didn't say? Terry McLaurin, Ben Victor, and and Demario is like you're trying to figure out. I think where Demario yeah. fits in. But Vic, I think Victor and McLaurin. Um, and maybe more so Victor. Victor's like a top 100 national prospect who's in his third year and I think has, has underperformed a little bit. And the, and the chances he's had, and I guess they've been limited somewhat, but I don't know. How, I, I've really, I don't think I've seen much from Ben Victor that, that shows me he's a guy who can't be, whose spot can't be taken away from him. Um, I think there's talent there to, to keep it and certainly size and I guess speed. Um, but he's not done a ton with the opportunities that, that have been afforded to him and, and when you look at Jalen Harris, who looks very similar to him physically, and I think is probably a little bit better athlete than Ben Victor is, I think I think Ben Victor should be on watch a little bit. Yeah, I think those are the guys who are similar, yeah. right? Just a bigger guy who you think can go up and get it, and and we maybe weren't as intimately aware of of Ben Victor's athleticism because he isn't from Northeast Ohio. Sure. But like Jalen Harris is a freak, right? Is that, I mean, this guy's through the roof in terms of athleticism, is he not? Yeah. He, I mean, he was an important basketball player. He and Tyreek Smith were in the same front court for Cleveland Heights for years. So if two years, I think if, if Jalen Smith makes a move, the guy most likely to lose time to Jalen, not Jalen Smith, Jalen Harris. Jalen Smith is Will Smith's son, isn't it? Very right. Jaden Smith. Jaden Smith. Jalen Smith is the linebacker for the Cowboys. I think. Yeah. The guy that Taylor Decker pushed. Yeah. yeah. Jalen Harris, if he if he gets on the field, it has to be at the expense of someone because they had six receivers last year and they're all back. So if Jalen Harris is a factor, it's someone else is playing less, and I think Ben Victor is the guy that you point to and to be playing less. Um, yep. And then the other, I mean, the other guy is is Demario has to if Demario's going to do it, and it's interesting. I mean, the thing Urban said, and I wrote it in the Demario story I wrote about when I asked Urban Meyer about Demario McCall, and he said. First two years are on you, are on us. The third year's on you. Basically, that they, acknowledging that when you're at Ohio State, the first two years, one of which may be a redshirt year, is sort of about development. I think physically and mentally, getting the playbook, understanding coaching at the college at the college level, understanding how hard you have to practice and play to get on the field. And then they after that, Urban Meyer's saying, "We've done all we can do. We've shown you." how to do this. Now, whether you are going to do it is up to you. And he said that in reference to to DeMario McCall, but DeMario McCall had injuries last year Mm -hmm. that basically took away his whole season. Ben Victor's in the same spot. Ben Victor's in the same recruiting class. And Ben Victor hasn't had injuries like that. Ben Victor has had opportunities. That's the thing with these receivers. It's there. It is there for the taken. This is not Chase Young, who was behind four NFL guys at defensive end last year. There are not NFL guys all over the roster at receiver. Opportunities are there, and if you end up not playing, it's on you. It's not on, There's no excuse to make that, well, I did everything I could do, but I just got beat out. No, there are jobs to be won. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Totally, and and it's not not the single. Like I think that's true for 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 everyone. That's true. Like even though Austin Mack was more productive, or actually he wasn't more productive, right? Statistically, you think he was just, fe- just felt like he was. Um, I think the same thing goes for him. Yeah, but I mean, I I mean, I do think there's 
I mean, again, for instance, there's a guy, and I just I keep talking about Keandre Jones because I talked to him in the locker room after the bowl game, and he's a nice guy. But Keandre Jones is in his third year. Keandre Jones' first two years, it's just like, what, I mean, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, Tough Borland, to his credit, Tough Borland got on the field. Tough yep. Borland's now in his third year. But, but there were people ahead of him. You know, like, you're, just, you're not going to beat out Chris Worley. You're not going to beat out Jerome Baker. You know, Dante Booker had that starting job. He's a veteran. There's a lot of guys there. There's more guys at linebacker. Like, if you're saying, like, well, why hasn't Keandre Jones done it? It's like, well, because there really wasn't a chance to do it. There, at receiver, there's not, that, there's not that. You know, like, I feel like Ben Victor could have exploded last year. And I'm not trying to pick on Ben Victor. We're just saying. Urban Meyer says it. Urban Meyer said the receivers were good, but they weren't elite. Mm-hmm. That means nobody was elite. There for the taken. There for the taken. Oh, to answer his question, I was going to pick five guys as well. Oh, that'd be a good one. I mean, you can get a double cheeseburger with bacon on it, whatever veggies you want to make you feel good, and then you get a regular thing of fries, which is like twice the amount of fries that come with, like, you know, your traditional order. If you want to, and they also have milkshakes, so if you need a guy to bulk up, that's a good way to go. Because you get your, you pretty much get all the food groups you want. You get bread, you get vegetables, tomatoes, and fruit, and then you get uh, your potatoes with your French fries. Plus the fry, you always get a big order of fries there. It's hard to get; you can't get a small fry. Extra bag fries. Actually, technically, you can. I've never gotten the small fries. I don't know exactly how big they are. I will have to do that for science. For every- science and the expense report, Tim's going to go investigate fries at Five Guys, and I will report back what I find when I decide to do this. All right, this is a question that's bringing the heat from Azuma Films. I'm going to check out Azuma Films because this question is so on fire. I'm not disputing it if it was actually a films. Looks like it's a film thing. Interesting. How many championships has Urban Meyer cost us by starting players whose backups were clearly better than them? We only got one year out of Malik Hooker and Marshawn Lattimore. And we're only going to get one out of Haskins and Burrow combined. One is transferring, and maybe Tate will transfer as well. Basically, he there, this is not. Hmm. There's I think we can maybe argue with maybe some of the specific points there, and we'll get into the specifics. But this is, I think. Do you guys agree that of the underlying? Urban Meyer's a legend. He's one of the best people. Currently at his job, he's one of the best people ever at the job he does. That's high praise. He has three national championship rings to show for it. He has, like, the highest winning percentage in the history of college football. Uh, The guy has revolutionized the sport in many ways with the spread offense, with the way he recruits, the style of recruiting, how aggressive they are in recruiting. I think his management style, the idea of, like, you're lucky to be here. We're not begging you to come, like, treat Treat players differently. You earn rewards. I don't want to treat all 85 guys the same. There's a lot there that Urban Meyer, I think, has actually helped legitimately pioneer um, in the coaching of college athletes. That said, this is one of the main things. Is it not this question of loyalty to veteran players and at the expense of maybe having some young guys sit who should have been on the field. Do you feel like there are legitimate parts of that idea that has been expressed by more than one Ohio State fan? 
One hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think it's it might be the I think it's without a doubt the most common criticism of Urban I've I've heard, and it was multiplied a hundredfold last year with JT Barrett. Why do you think it is? Do you think it is it is uh, connected to other core values of his that? Nothing happens in a vacuum, right? Nothing happens in a vacuum. So there may be other things that, that, for instance, if loyalty is a valued attribute in Ohio State football, and that in other ways expresses itself in, in very positive aspects of the program, but yet maybe in this particular area of the program, loyalty holds the Buckeyes back in some way. Um, or is he just afraid to make tough decisions? I don't think he's afraid to make tough decisions. I don't think you win three national championships without making tough decisions. Um, I think part of it is it's tied into some of the things you said about the way he, he runs his program and the way he um, treats players differently. To, like There has to be an incentive in that. Like you, They do like the, the blue-red-gold thing, and like gold's yep. the best and blue's the worst. Like If you're a gold, like there has to be some kind of reward for that. You can't have this tiered system of how you're supposed to act within the program, and then at the end of the road, there's nothing, you don't get anything for that. So if player Y is a five-star freshman who's not a quote-unquote gold in the eyes of Herbert Meyer, and player X is a gold and maybe not as talented, but he's an upperclassman, that upperclassman's going to play. You can disagree with that, with that logic, but I think that's what a lot of it is. Is there any question whether or not Dwayne Haskins is more talented than JT Barrett? There's like, is, I don't think there is. I think Dwayne Haskins is clearly more talented. But you have to earn some stuff too. I, I don't. I think Urban, the way Urban Meyer runs his program, he's not just going to throw talent out there when they haven't quite earned it yet. And that's to say that Dwayne Haskins hasn't earned it because we're not behind the closed doors. But I think that's part of the reasoning that goes into it. So I don't think. No, I, I think I would disagree pretty strongly with with the idea that operating that way is Ohio State championships. I don't think it has. Yeah, um, I mean, it's hard. There, there, there's, there's a stark example from 2013 of not playing Von Bell. Christian Bryant got hurt. They played Pittsburgh Brown, a fifth-year senior, at that safety spot. He got burned in the Big Ten Championship. Then they played Von Bell in the Orange Bowl as a true freshman. Von Bell should have been in there earlier. They talked about playing him, and they didn't play him. Did he play well in that game? Didn't they give up like a million points he, in that game? He had like I think a one hit interception. I think inside the inside his own five yard line. Taj I, Boyd, I wasn't covering the team then. I was asking that legitimately. Uh, I don't know. Taj Boyd, I think, threw one right to him, like inside the five. He made a good. He made a good individual play. And had a pick. Yeah. Um. They got torched like by Clemson, crazy Clemson receivers. Yeah. Um. Across the board, but um. You know, like the hooker and Lattimore's like Lattimore was hurt for two years. That's why he didn't play. Hooker was basically like like a athlete basketball player in high school that I think was learning the ins and outs of playing safety. The thing that's interesting is it is interesting how it works. Von Bell and Tyvis Powell both went pro early. Tyvis Powell surprisingly so, and it was like, what are they going to do? Like if Von Bell, that would have been a great one. Malik Hooker came in the first year as a third year player, a redshirt sophomore, was an All American. There's a scenario where both Tyvis Powell and Von Bell in front of him stayed. Mm-hmm. They both left early. That would have been a heck of a thing. Von Bell and Tyvis Powell would have been were both two year starters and both starters in a national championship team. If I if they both had come back for their senior years, Malik Hooker 
would have either had to beat one of them out or Malik Hooker wouldn't have started. And then Malik Hooker was like one of the best safeties we've seen in college football in a decade. Yeah. Like I felt, I thought about that in the moment because it was like, oh man, like everybody was kind of surprised Tyvis Powell went pro. And it was like, mm, turns out Malik was coming for you, man. Like, yeah, but, how, but that could also be spun into an argument that Malik Hooker would have played anyway. Like if Tyvis Powell, who was very good at Ohio State, saw the writing on the wall and was like, well, this guy behind me is one of the best safeties in the last 10 years. I'm not going to play next year. Well, but that would go to this question. I think there are some Ohio State fans who would who would believe that they would have they would have played Von Bell and Tyvis Powell and not Malik Hooker because of this very question. Because of this very question about Urban Meyer, you had a guy who had never started, but the first year he started became an All-American and one of the best safeties college football has seen. But if there were two two-year starters on the team at his position, what would Urban Meyer have done? I don't know. I guess that's a valid question. Uh, I also don't think the reason they lost to Michigan State in 2015 and missed out on the playoff was because Tyvis Powell was playing safety. No, no, no. I, I but no, I agree with that. Of course, um, I think there's like a general impression about that that's primarily related, primarily related to JT Barrett. Yeah, and and about. when you start trying to think of other specific examples, um. It's harder to nail down, you know. For instance, people felt that way when, with in 2016, when Austin Mack and Ben Victor were freshmen, they wanted those guys to play. When true. it was like Noah Brown and like Noah Brown had his crazy Oklahoma game, but was just kind of like kind of average after that. And it was all the same guys who were on the team now after after him. So they wanted the the new highly rated freshman to play in their place. Yeah. But then again, but then uh, then neither Ben Victor nor Austin Mack set the world on fire last year. Yeah. So it's like, well, what, did they not play as true freshmen because they were being they were being sat just because they were young, or were, did they not earn it yet? Were they not as good as Noah Brown and the guys ahead of them? Um, I think there's going to be a question about that this year, specifically with Austin Mack, because again, there are guys. Although again. The pairing of that one receiver spot is Mac and Victor, so Mac might just be able to take a lot of the snaps there. I don't. Yeah. It's not exactly like Austin Mac's going to take snaps from Dixon and McLaurin, who are two senior, loyal, do everything right Buckeyes who just overall may not be quite as good a receiver as Austin Mac, but they don't really play the same position, so it's not quite as stark. Yeah, that's probably true. But like your point, so you picked Jalen Harris to be the third most productive receiver this mm-hmm. season, with. Paris Campbell and Austin Mack, that would require Jalen Harris taking time away from veterans. Yeah. Do you think so? Two th- but and two things have to happen in that equation. One is Jalen Harris has to be good enough mm-hmm. in practice. He has to be good enough. But there is the second part of this equation, which is this question. Um, yeah, I think we had we had a conversation. Then I mean, like a few weeks ago, about the new ruthless Urban Meyer. Yes, and it was it was, it was more related to coaching, right? Than it was more to, related to Kevin. Get in here, Ryan Day took right, your job. Right. Um. I think I buy some of that. I think I I don't think this this premise is totally out of bounds. I think there there's a little bit of validity to it. I don't think it's cost them championships. Um. But I think there's there's strong evidence to support that more talented players sat behind less talented players. Um. And I think that. Urban kind of knows that. And whatever, he was loyal to JT for whatever his reasons were, but I I think there's going to be a change in mindset, a more ruthless approach to roster management 
based off whatever, what Nick Saban did in the title game, the fact that Urban has had teams talented enough to win national championships and they haven't done it the last few years, um, I think is going to force his hand a little bit. So that leads me to believe that if Jalen Harris is, is good, if Jalen Harris is really good, and the guys who were on the team last year aren't, I think Jalen Harris plays. And I do think in the end, the specific example that we're talking about is A, one of Urban Meyer's five favorite players he's ever coached, one of the greatest quarterbacks in Ohio State history, one of the greatest leaders that Ohio State football has ever seen at the most important position on the field. So all those things, if he leaned toward JT Barrett, and obviously he did, and JT Barrett earned it, and maybe Dwayne Haskins earned it also, but if he leaned to JT Barrett, that's just not going to be quite the same. Keeping JT Barrett in the lineup is not the same as keeping Terry McLaurin in the lineup, is not the same as keeping Pittsburgh Brown in the lineup, is not the same as keeping anybody else in the lineup, because... While we can look to other examples, that was a unique situation. And he just was never going to go there. He was never going to go there with that guy, with that resume, at that position. Yeah, like he had no problem benching Cardale. Correct. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's a very unique situation. But I do think it's possible that even though JT was different, I think the point you made that maybe he not learned something because he knows everything already. But he just maybe you know opened his eyes a little bit. The JT situation may have opened his eyes to maybe at linebacker, maybe at receiver, at tight end, offensive line, whatever. Best guy's playing, which I think would require him to be probably more hands on in that stuff than he's been in the past because he does give his position coaches, I think, almost full autonomy in making those decisions. I think he trusts them almost like basically fully to to play the best guy. Like he's not going to tell Larry Johnson, you know what, Chase Young's too good. He's got to play like last year, right? Um, but presented with that same scenario this year, I think he might. We're going to take a quick break here on Buckeye Talk, and we will be back with more of your questions. Did you know that one in six Northeast Ohioans struggle with hunger? Many people in Northeast Ohio are forced to make tough choices. Unexpected expenses, prescription costs, rising heat costs, Those are all things that can prevent people from being able to put food on the table. That can often result in hunger, but this is where you can help. Each dollar that you donate to the Harvest for Hunger campaign will result in four meals for hungry people in Northeast Ohio. So right now, go to harvestforhunger.org and donate. That's harvestforhunger.org. Org, help feed your neighbors. Cleveland.com is a sponsor of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank's Harvest for Hunger campaign. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk, and we want to speak a little bit about the players we spoke to last week. The last interview session we had, we talked with defensive linemen and receivers, and I think it's always a little interesting. We write about the guys, but sometimes it's just fun to talk about the guys, mm-hmm. you know? And I just want to say that I really like Chase Young. And, Tim, you had talked to him after the bowl game. Have you talked to him in an interview session before, Landis? I have not, no. Um, I had not really. We, we rotate through guys, and everybody talks to different guys. I just really think he, he's, as a sophomore, who did not have a million opportunities to talk last year because he was a freshman who wasn't playing all that much. Um, he's confident, but and he's he said it a lot. Like, they keep you humble. They keep you humble. Like, he seems to have a pretty good mix Nick Bosa is like aggressively confident, and I love it. 
I yeah. love that Nick Bosa is aggressively confident, but Nick Bosa at times has a hard time keeping it down. It's like he knows he's great, and he has a hard time just not letting it seep out that, like, I'm great. Chase Young knows he's great, but he was more proactive in saying, I'm humble, I'm humble. I have a chip on my shoulder because I wasn't that tall in middle school, and I know what it's like, and I thought he was really interesting to talking about, like, I, I know I look the part, but I don't, don't want to be – he sort of had, like, a whole speech, and I said, in the end, are you basically saying there's a lot of guys who look like really good athletes, and then sometimes they don't live up to it? And he's like, yeah. Like, he's, like, desperately – not afraid – but that, I think, is what is motivating him, that this is a guy, when we saw him at the first practice as his freshman year, last camp, everybody took a picture of him and said, he looks like an NFL guy. Mm-hmm. You guys remember that on Twitter. Like, everybody on the beat did that. He knows that. He knows that he looks like an NFL defensive end at 18 or 19 years old. And he knows that when you look like that, if you suck... That really is going to be terrible. And he is aware of, I have, I have the look, but I do not want to rest on the look. Like, he's very, a lot of it's cliched, and I know, what else is he going to say? He's not going to come out and say, yeah, I look like an NFL defensive end. I'm going to slack off at Ohio State. I get it. But I just thought the way he expressed himself about that was interesting, showed an awareness showed a confidence without really being cocky. He was really fun to talk to, and it just gave off the kind of vibe like, this is like a, a superstar in the making that I think kind of gets it, you know? And I just, I enjoyed talking to him. Yeah, I, I kind of got a similar vibe, but when I talked to him at, you know, after the Big Ten Championship game, I asked him, you know, did you know when you were coming in about, you know, the playing time. He, he he said he understood from day one that, you know, he wasn't going to get the opportunities and just to take advantage of the ones that he got uh, throughout his freshman season. And, you know, he it's important, I think, when you have a five-star kid because in recruiting, five-stars bust all the time for whatever reason. And I think it speaks to this kid that, you know, he's coming with the correct attitude. And when you have a kid who comes in with the correct attitude and the measurables, he's got a much better chance of success. And I think he understands that it's, he understood pretty quickly, I think, based on when you said that, you know, it's not just about being really athletic to win, to succeed at the college level. You need to be able to have the right mindset, the right right attitude. And he's got all those things. It's just a matter of, you know, come September, come October, and whatever, can he put it out together and put together the, the, ten, and a half, half, the 10 and a half sack season, try saying that five times fast, hmm. season that Sam Hubbard was kind of joking about that Chase Young was going to have. I want to get to a question from uh, Eric Bronstein, one of our guys, E. Bronstein. He asks a lot of good questions. This is mostly for you, Tim, because it's about one of the guys you talked to. Will this be the year, and I know, Tim, you're writing about this, but we give you the little heads up on Buckeye Talk. That's your reward, along with this scintillating, entertaining, keeps you in the driveway, the one review said. Or it gets you kicked off a plane. Or it gets you... (laughs) That... Well, no, it didn't get him kicked off the plane. He got him yelled at on the plane in front of everybody. That, that would be, yeah. We'll keep you in your driveway and get you kicked off a plane. We're Buckeye Talk. That's our tagline. <laughs> if we ever had a sponsor. Just put it on the back of a t-shirt with our logo. We would make t-shirts, except I'm 95% sure that Ohio State A would sue us for making a t-shirt that had Buckeye on it. And then would sue us for the podcast name. So yeah. at the moment, I know I I'm 
I think there are people who work for Ohio State who listen to this. Just like keep keep cool about it. Yeah, don't sue us. Yeah. Just because it's, you know, there's like a rights thing, and I get that. You know, we're not trying to profit off anybody's name. We're just we're just talking, man. But if we had to call this like like um red and red and uh red and light black football talk, like that would stink. <laughs> that would stink. So we don't want to have to change the name. So I don't think we can make a t-shirt. E. Bronstein, will this be the year we see a kick return for a touchdown? How come we have struggled to find an explosive return game with all of these athletes on the roster? I love the second half of that question because I think anybody who watches Ohio State, you shake your head and say, what is going on? For as much as Urban Meyer values special teams and as many like four, three guys as they supposedly have, they have not been explosive there. But then I think, Tim, you have the answer to the question, but let's do the second part first. What's been up with that, do you think? I have no idea. It's it's bizarre when you think about it. All the guys that have been kick returners for Ohio State since he got there. You look at um, Jalen Marshall was doing it a lot. Dontre Wilson, um, Paris Campbell more recently. Those are special athletes. And between them, they have not scored on kick returns at Ohio State, which is fascinating. And it's not like Urban Meyer hasn't had kick returners. He had a guy named Brandon James at Florida who's phenomenal. He had Jeff Demps and Chris Rainey, both super super fast players that he put on kick return. When he left, he had a guy named Andre DeBose who was a great kick returner. He's had those guys who can return kicks, and it's puzzling that the last time Ohio State's had a kick return for a touchdown was Jim Trestle's last home game way back in 2010. That is a mind-blowing stat. Seven years. That is a Jordan mi- Hall, right? mind-blowing stat. Yeah, I actually looked up 85 yards against Michigan. Now, Paris, wasn't Paris close? Paris had like a 95-yard return, I think, against Indiana two years ago. So, how, yeah. did, how did Paris Campbell get caught? I don't know. It's a hell of I an angle. He, I think he might have got pushed out of bounds. Okay, but still, you figure if Paris remember. Campbell gets ahead of somebody, he's going to score. Um, so, I mean, it's like they had Paris Campbell back there for the first half of last year. It's not like Paris Campbell's not explosive. Paris Campbell's an incredibly explosive athlete. But it is odd. It is odd to me. But, Tim, is DeMario McCall the answer to Ohio State's return game prayers? Urban Meyer hopes he is. And, you know, talking to Urban after the first spring practice, he said he wants DeMario to be the returner. He was the, he's been the number one punt returner from what we saw in spring practice, probably because of K.J. Hill's injury. He's out for the spring with a shoulder. We call we caught him pulling a tire the other day right. at practice, which mm-hmm. I'm sure I could do too. But I could not pull a tire. We've done tire. I've done tire flips across it, but I'm getting there was also like oh, forty five pound weight plates inside the tire. Oh, for real? Yeah, he wasn't just pulling a tire. You you pull tires at CrossFit for real? Um, we have not specifically pulled tires. We flipped tires, but we've pulled sleds and done some push sleds. But I'm getting off topic. I, I, I don't watched, wanna, I I watched the movie that. where Cuba Gooding Jr. was on a dog sled. Does that count? <laughs> Sadly, no. But uh, talking with tomorrow, we we got a chance. You did watch that movie for real? No. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna question your taste in movies there for a second. Are they called Snow Dogs? <laughs> yeah. No, I never saw. Um, but you know, talking to Mario, he seen it's it's something he wants. You know, he t- I he talked about how he wants that pressure that Urban puts on those third year players, and he said he wants to be an All American in special teams. He wants to mm. have multiple kickoff returns for touchdowns. I even asked him. He he talked about you know how he's watched tapes of guys like Dante Hall and Devin Love Hester. Yeah, that's that's one for the history books, kids. If you if you remember early two thousands NFL football, everybody remembers the human joystick Dante Hall. 
Billy White Shoes Johnson. I went to high school with a kid who called himself the human joystick for no reason. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that worries me because it <laughs> makes me think of something else that he might enjoy doing that would cause that nickname. And I also made it a point. I want to talk to Paris Campbell as well because he's been a kick returner for two seasons. Obviously didn't do it at the end of the season. Asked him about what advice he's given to Mario, and he basically made it simple. When you see your lane, just go. Just go get it. And this is a guy who's super quick, super athletic. Northeast Ohio high school football fans remember him because of just how fast he was, how elusive he was. And he says he's healthy. He says he's finally healthy really for the first time in his collegiate career. So if that carries over, you you should expect some fireworks. Can I make a predict- uh, prediction? Six returns for a touchdown this year? Uh, no, but he is going to house one against Oregon State. In the opener? Yeah. And then the stadium will explode. And, and so will the Ohio State media yeah. writing about how Demario McCall is the greatest returner in the history of returning. Yeah. I'll, I'm writing the story of why he should declare for the NFL draft right as soon as he returns that kickoff for a touchdown. You know what? Why don't you write that now and just have it in the system yeah. ready uh, I for think the he's, opener? I think he's got um, – I think to be like a really dynamic returner, you have to be like a little crazy. To be willing to do some crazy stuff from time to time, yeah. And I don't know, like Paris Campbell's not that dude. He's just going to run in a straight line. Demario McCall's that dude, <laughs> but he's the right amount of goofy. I mean, I'm sure we've all seen the picture with him on the dirt bike. Yeah, you have to ride a dirt bike through the the coverage team. That's yeah, how you do it. You yeah. have to be willing to run backwards. And and that's the thing. And uh, does that possibly contribute? I mean, I, uh, do you think Urban Meyer likes running backwards on returns? No, no, no. That's why Tate Martell's not going to be the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a hard thing. It's funny. It's like Urban Meyer wants to score points, right? Urban Meyer, like, wants great athletes. Urban Meyer does not want you. This, is, I think, is a fair statement. Urban Meyer never wants you to go backwards. Now. I wrote a story about it. About, about the crazy person quarterbacks. But, but it's, it's applied across the board. But, like, Curtis Samuel won the Michigan game by running backwards. Yep. I think that's just an outlier. But, but it should have but, been. But you've got – that's sort of the thing. Like, I don't – and it's a cliche, like the no, 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 great kind of thing. But, yeah. like, I, Urban Meyer doesn't want that in your game plan. But if you become the kind of player that he can rely on – it's not like Curtis Samuel didn't run backwards 30 times that yeah. season. Curtis Samuel ran forwards, and then when he absolutely had to run backwards to beat Michigan, then he ran backwards. So Demario McCall can't get out there and run backwards. He can't catch the ball at the four-yard line against Oregon State and run nine yards deep in the end zone <laughs> trying to get an angle on somebody. I want him to. Because <laughs> you know who I think had a little bit, and I've said this in the in the Demario story I already wrote, I think Dontre Wilson had a little of that in him. Yeah. I think Dontre Wilson had the want to and just did not quite Sorry. have the get up and do it. Like once you do that, to be elite, 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 elite to get away with it. So there's a fine line. Because DeMar McCall's a great athlete. There's great athletes everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's a fine line, but I think we will enjoy. If that is how it works out, do you guys believe it? When Urban Meyer says, I want him to be the returner, DeMario tells Tim, I want to be the returner, do you both believe he will be the primary kick and punt returner this year? It will work out as planned. Yeah, I, yeah, I do. Yes. Okay. So, so you got to limit the running backwards if you want that to stay. Mm-hmm. Because the minute he runs backwards too much, K.J. Hill's back there. Because K.J. Hill's not running backwards. No, but he'll catch the ball. He'll catch it and get four yards yeah. and get the offense on the field. This is a good question from Joe Duter. It's interesting. It's kind of... 
we've danced around this. It's like sort of what you want. It's if the world where you want to turn Mike Weber into a fullback. Could we actually see the two-back formation with Haskins not being the runner that JT was? They could still run zone read with the two options being both backs. Think pull it from Weber and pitch it to Dobbins. You turn Mike Weber into the fullback, and Dobbins is the pitch option. Now, when I asked the receivers about how the offense might be evolving, they were talking about options in the, the for the quarterback, the zone read, where the second part of the read is not a quarterback run. The second part of the read is a throw. RPO. RPO stuff. So you keep the read element to the offense. You just take out the quarterback run part of it. Is there any world where some part of the read part of the offense could be two running backs? Yeah, I don't know. Um, my favorite play to run in Madden, by the way, is when you face the dive to the fullback and then toss the pitch to the, to the running back, Love to the halfback. Um, but that's like out of the eye formation. Um, yeah. How about fake the pitch, fake the toss, throw the tight end to over the middle? And then run backwards. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's possible. I don't know really how that would manifest itself. I think I think the thing that is maybe more likely is two two backs, and there's a read element with one of the backs, and then when the quarterback, who we'll assume is Dwayne Haskins, is like making his decision, the like the relief valve when he keeps the ball is like tossing the ball like a, almost like a swing pass to the running back more than it is a pitch, but it's still I guess technically an RPO. Um, I just don't know. I'm trying to like think of the logistics of how it would work out of the shotgun. That doesn't involve like Dwayne Haskins also like running out into like a speed option kind of look. Yeah, I mean the hard part right in the option is that that first, the first fake handoff you're faking a handoff to a guy who's standing still, mm-hmm. and you've got to go with him a little bit if he's actually going to take it. Yeah, I think the backs could do it. I don't know if Haskins. That's a lot. You're getting a new qu- like, I mean, they were definitely when I was watching the quarterbacks at practice last last week, two months ago. Last, no, last Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, last Tuesday, um, they were doing one. They they have a they call it backfield action, a portion of their practice, and and what we saw, part of what they were doing was faking a handoff to the running back and like fought, like having like the mesh point with the read and then pulling it out and then like running forward and then throwing it out to the side like we saw that like the, mm-hmm. what Baker Mayfield did a million times at yep. Ohio State they were practicing like I know they did it a few times last year but that was like part of the backfield action drill this year and in, in the practice we saw last Tuesday that we're gonna see yeah that we're gonna see but that's like that's that's the new quarterback read and that's and that we have seen we saw that's what we saw I mean we saw JT do that mm-hmm. um the the thing that is interesting is that JT's running ability just is it's a constant threat. It's an every down threat, just like it was with Braxton Miller. When your quarterback, just like it would be with Joe Burrow or Tate Martell, when your quarterback can be a dangerous runner, every the ball is in his hands to start the play. And at every moment in that play, there's a possibility that what's going to wind up happening is the guy who got the ball originally is going to run and run dangerously. And I, you're just not going to have that with Dwayne Haskins, which is fine. I think it's possible we're underselling it a little bit. Like I, he's not JT clearly, and he's not like he's not Braxton, but I think he can run well enough that you would have to honor it. Okay, that's good. I think that's a big thing to watch in the spring game. Although they're going to have the black jerseys on, I don't know. They're gonna, not going to call a lot of run plays for Dwayne Haskins. But, but I think just you can watch him and get a feel, run like, the read, and just looks. the way he moves yeah. and the way he reads it. Because I think the thing, the thing that's hard of it is it's not just running, it's running confidently. Mm-hmm. And that's confidence within the, did I just make the right read 
in the moment. And then also the confidence, just like, am I out here comfortable in space where, hey, look, I can pick up five yards, but here come the linebackers and the safeties, and now what am I going to do? Yeah. Am I going to power through it like like JT Barrett did with that unbelievable lower body strength? Am I going to spin move them like Braxton Miller did? Am I going to get down and protect myself? Like, you get out there on an island, you got to find a way to stay alive in the world. So I, I question – I don't think I question um, – Dwayne Haskins' sort of ability to maybe be a runner at times. He's just bigger, right? I think I question his ability to be comfortable with it because we haven't seen it much. And, like, the thing with Cardale, talking about sort of that thing in in you where you're kind of crazy and you don't care. Like, Cardale, I don't think, was ever comfortable doing any zone read stuff. But just scrambling? Yeah. Once he got out there, he's like, I'm running you over now. (laughs) Very comfortable. Not comfortable in the called runs. Very comfortable scrambling. And not worried about who, because he's a giant. So I just am curious to see what Dwayne Haskins does when he gets four yards past the line of scrimmage with the ball in his hands. I think he'll probably slide. But I also, like, which is fine. Yeah, we're, I think when you talk about what they're losing in the quarterback run, you're talking about two things. And what is completely gone from the offense now is quarterback draw. I just, uh, or the at least the very least quarterback draw. The third, miss you. the third and fourth and short quarterback draw, where your quarterback is just a fullback. Dwayne Haskins is not doing that. JT Barrett was awesome at it. Awesome, yeah. So you lose that, but I don't think you lose a lot of the other quarterback run elements. And I also think, to a certain extent, it could possibly work even better because defenses will have to honor Dwayne Haskins' throwing ability more than they had to honor JT's. So I don't know, like, if a linebacker wants to come up and play the run against Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne Haskins is going to throw the ball over his head. Yep. And same for the secondary, or same for safeties that want to cheat up. And I don't know if that was always the case with JT, or at least the, the defense had that fear with JT. And, the, and I think they will have it with Haskins. And the one thing is, when you then, if you then scramble on a pass play, and you're not a quarterback where they play the run at all, then you have room. Mm-hmm. Like, Cardale Jones was killing people in the playoffs in some of those runs because they were not playing him to run. Whereas JT Barrett is being played to run every single snap. Right. Um, Tim, I'm, 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 this is a me question. This is from Doug at Doug Less Me Rises uh, for Tim Bielek. Tim Bielek, on the first third and three of the 2018 season, what will be the play call? I would, I would say a mesh route to KJ Hill. You know, he's going to run four yards, and Dwayne <coughs> Askins is going to trust the most reliable hands on the team to get the first down. Is it an RPO? Is there a run option in that, or is it basically? Like a play action and a, and it's a pass. I would, I mean, I would lean, I guess, in this case, towards RPO, just so the offense could have that kind of option, and then they crash down on the running game like you would expect with Dobbins being the more potent runner than Haskins. Like I mentioned, I've seen, I, we saw a bunch with uh, Dobbins and Barrett last year. They'll crash on the running back, and then that frees up Haskins to go kind of right over the middle to KJ, who's kind of standing right behind the first down marker. Catch it, fall down, first down, boom. Bill, side question. Who are the five skill position players on the field for that play call? Oh, man. Including the quarterback? No, so you have five offensive linemen. The quarterback oh, is the six. The quarterback is six, and then... Who are the five other guys? You have five wide? Because, no. again, in the quarterback draw game, they're five wide a lot. Now, they're five wide with the tight end and the running back split out wide. Have we seen... Are we... We're dead... The five wide, empty set, third down. Empty set, third down. Dead? Dead. Okay. 
So give me a formation and the guys. Uh, I'm torn. I'm torn between uh, two running backs and three receivers, or one running back, three receivers, and a tight end. Um, but you think Haskins with Weber on his left and Dobbins on his right in the shotgun is a possibility on mm-hmm. that third down? That is a new world. Yeah, that's an interesting world. Okay. Yeah, that's- I think I think it's gonna. Their their answer to not having the get out of jail free card and JT just running a ball into the teeth of the defense will be options. Okay, making the defense think a little bit, making your quarterback think. Sure, it's a lot on his plate, but I, I mean they have no, they don't really have another choice unless you want to play someone other than Dwayne Haskins. Unless he can do that, we don't know it, but I would guess that he can. He has a lot to work on. Yeah. Like I don't doubt him. I I don't doubt Dwayne Haskins' ability to do any of this. I think he's inc- I think he's ready. Like, I think in his heart and in his brain, he's ready. And I think that's, like, that's a huge thing. So I don't doubt him. I don't doubt – no one doubts his arm. But I don't doubt the rest of it either. I'm just saying it's it's kind of hard. Like, it's – he's got a lot of work to do. There's a lot for him to get ready. Okay, so you got Weber and Dobbins. Who are the other three guys? Uh, KJ Hill, most short-handed receiver. Um, Austin Mack, your best receiver. And – I know who you want to put out there. You're just yeah. afraid to pull the trigger. Uh, opener. The opener. The first third down in the opener. Are you going to put Jalen Harris in the field, Bill Landis? Yeah, I think you want size, right? Yeah. I'm not against size. Jeremy Ruckert. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I think, I, I think Ruckert could be out there if you're yeah, going. Or Rashad Berry. Yeah. And you could also go, and, and I can't remember the last time. When's the last time Ohio State had two running backs and a tight end? And two receivers on the field. Oh, like yeah. Never. I thought about saying that, but oh, I didn't. I know in the Con Bowl, I believe, was the only time they ever put Weber and Dobbins in the same backfield. Wasn't that a jet sweep to Paris Campbell? Yeah, and, and oh, Mike right. Weber said, we talked to Mike Weber, what was it, like in January, and he said they had practiced a lot of that two running back stuff and then like basically didn't do it. I think they did it one time in that game. And I do think it's interesting. It's, it's, it's like, why would we have two running backs on the field when we already have two running backs on the field? Yeah. But now if they have two running backs on the field, they'll have – Two running backs on the field. Making a note to ask about the two running back set. I'm now like that. Ohio State's first short yardage situation on third or fourth down is the thing I'm most looking forward to next year. Yeah. Urban could, yeah. But it's going to be against Oregon State. It's like, oh my God, Dwayne Haskins running for two yards because Oregon State has high school players. It's right. Not, it's not. Well, but the other thing that's too that's interesting as part of this is. Um, if you're going to do something that's like an inside run game at all, that maybe the, if there's a read option and one of the reads is like to give it to a running back up the middle, interior offensive line. They gotta get, there's got to be a hole there. Yeah. And there's not Billy Price blowing a hole open. Billy Price on occasion blocked six men by himself. <laughs> you saw the holes. Yeah. It's like Billy Price would turn a guy one way and then – Michael Jordan would turn a guy another way, and it was there was enough to fit three running backs through those holes. Yep. Michael Jordan's still there. Billy Price is not. Interesting. J.W. Harris. This is just a, I want both you guys just to answer this definitively. It is a, a, it's not a unique question, but it's worth talking about again. J.W. Harris at Bucktown 1974. He asks, who's going to start at quarterback? But the second part is, and if Burrow doesn't win the job, is he transferring? So I think we, you know, I think there's a Dwayne Haskins idea that we've already done that. We did a video where we all said we were pretty sure it's going to be Dwayne Haskins, and we left some room open for maybe Joe Burrow, maybe Tate Martell. But just 
how how if Joe Burrow is not the starter, whether whatever it is, but Joe Burrow is he a hundred percent transferring? Is there any world he doesn't transfer? Um, yeah, I, I don't think I can say a hundred percent, but I'd say like ninety. Um, he like he brought it up, which 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 is a sticking point for me. Like we were certainly asking questions along those lines in the locker room after the Big Ten championship. But he was very candid about how there's been conversation. Urban has said the same thing. There's already been conversation. Um, he is on pace to graduate. He, obviously, he knows he's on pace to graduate. He knows what that means for his future. I would be pretty floored if Joe Burrow was not the starter and was still here next year. You agree, Tim? I'm about 90.62% mm. on Burrow leaving if Haskins is the starter. I actually got an email question from a guy in Los Angeles about destinations we can get for Burrow potentially. We can get to that another time, but... I feel like I don't even know how to begin to speculate. Like other than the obvious answer of Nebraska, I don't know. Yeah, that, I mean that's something we can get to months down the road if he if indeed he does leave, but doesn't say right away where he's gonna go. But I would think for a guy like who's like he's already gra- set to graduate pretty soon, he'll have two years available. There's a guy who's will have waited his turn and will have been passed up by a third year third year sophomore. Will probably want his chance elsewhere and thinks he's capable of running a college offense, which he certainly can. Um, it's just a matter of does he think he has a, like where he can go to really maximize the last two years of his college career. You know who's making a phone call if Joe Burrow's on the transfer market? Luke Fickle. Yeah, I was gonna say that. And here's the thing is. And again, I think that the thing you have to remember in all this is Joe Burrow's dad is a college football coach. Joe Burrow's dad has connections in the business. Joe Burrow's dad knows exactly what's up. There's no mystery here. It, it's it's not like sometimes parents don't know what to do. These people know what to do. So I just think like Joe Burrow is capable, very capable of doing what's best for him, and they know how to do it. Which I just think is like he's. If he doesn't win the job, he's going to transfer, which we, is fine and great. We were all very excited about the idea of Torrance Gibson, Cincinnati quarterback against Ohio State in 2019. Yep. Joe I'm Burrow. More excited for Joe Burrow versus Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> Replay well, of the spring game. Yeah, yeah, I would watch that. If Ohio State plays, correct me if I'm wrong, Ohio State hosts Nebraska this year, correct? They do. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We could get that anyway this year. We could. Yeah. Potentially. Do you I, think Ohio State would block him from transferring I, to the Big Ten? That would be a baller move, man. I hope not. I don't think they would. Especially they would. Nebraska. Because, again, if you people don't know, his dad uh, was an assistant coach with Frank Solich at Nebraska. He has Nebraska roots. He grew up a part of the time there. And then when Frank Solich got fired and went to Ohio, his dad went to Ohio with Frank Solich also. It, there's other stops in there as well. His dad was somewhere else. I don't have his dad's resume in front of me. but <laughs> but But there's a scenario where, like, if and Frank Solich probably shouldn't have been fired. Like if Frank Solich was still was like the thirty year coach of Nebraska, like Joe Burrow might be their quarterback right now. Yeah. So, um, all right, we'll get to a couple more questions. Quick ones. Which defensive back steps up and becomes the game changer this year? Also, have you had crispy, crunchy chicken? Thoughts. That's from Joseph Bauer at Jobu four one five. I'm gonna look up crispy, crunchy chicken. Who's your DB that steps up? Uh, I think like the obvious one is Jeffrey Okuda, but I was, I was thinking we had a, a video up on Monday about non-quarterback position battles that are interesting, and Tim talked about safety, and it got me thinking a little more about Amir Reap, who um, 
Kerry Combs was very high on last year. There just kind of wasn't the opening for him to play, and now he's moved to safety. And they need a replacement for Damon Webb, and they need a guy with corner skill to play in that position. Um, and I think it's pretty wide open. So I think I'm going to say Amir Reap in that, I guess that they call it the Falcon safety spot, right? The Falcon is correct. Yeah. That's my pick. Uh, I, you actually got me thinking a little bit by saying Reap because it makes sense that Reap moving over to safety means he could play the more of that deep safety position if need be and allow Fuller to play closer to the line of scrimmage where we all know how good of a tackler he is. Um, I'll, I'll, I do kind of I'm looking at Okuda, even though he's not going to play the spring, um, as that guy who's going to step into that cornerback rotation at the very minimum, if not steal the number one job by the start of the season. Um, as just be a guy who could, who's just out there sh- taking the number one guy and a guy with his size and athletic ability who could just go get some picks. It, that's just what they need is they didn't have, they didn't get a lot of turnovers last year. They need a guy who can get him and see if Okuda can get a couple. Sheffield. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's easy to overlook guys who have already played. It's Sheffield. Yeah. He was one of the, I did like a list of like five guys who could own spring. We watched him for an hour that first day. I just thought he looked like a guy who, Starting to figure it out, Tim. You've been writing about him how he had a good indoor track season. I think he got he started feeling good about himself. Um, Arnett, there's we have a question about Arnett. We will we'll, we will ask when we talk to Alex Grinch next Monday. I will ask about Damon Arnett's number change because he was number three and we saw him wearing number forty six, and that's not because he's forty three times better than he used to be or whatever. Like that's that's like that's the doghouse number. When right? you go from a cool number <laughs> to a number in the forties, that's not good. So we don't know what that means. But it's not a promotion. Um, so I think it's Kendall Sheffield. This crispy, crunchy, cricket thing now makes me want to go to Cleveland. This is a story from Thrillist.com. You probably haven't heard of America's Best Fried Chicken. Chances are you won't find America's Best Kept Fast Food Secret at your local strip mall. You also won't see it clustered, blah, 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 blah. And get to the point. Too long with your lead. No, you'll find this fried chicken franchise in more unexpected places like the Rapid Stop Gas Station at East 55th and Payne Avenue in Cleveland. Yeah. This is Crispy Crunchy Chicken. It's a 28-year-old company. They specialize in Cajun-style chicken. It's kind of like Popeye's, but it's it's expertly balanced with the right amount of garlic, paprika, and black pepper. Um, and they're like in gas stations and like um, convenience stores. Yeah, I've seen them. I've, I've never been to one, but I've I, seen them before. I did like some advanced scouting, actually, kind of just looking at the question like 20 minutes ago. You were the Mel Kuyper of chicken restaurants. Yeah. And actually, there's one in Hilliard, I think, out, I believe it said like by Circle K or in, within a Circle K. Is it crispy with a K or an R? Or all, C? With a K. All Ks. All right, so we're going to go there. We're going to go and eat crispy, crunchy chicken at some point. Um, good question, Joseph. Thank you for putting us on to new food. couple more. Brock, doctor, our guy. Lively marital debate. Is steak and shake good? Um, I grew up with it, so I think so. Wife insists it's garbage. I have not had it enough to have a strong Really? Opinion. Yeah. Tim? it's a, The hot food's okay. The milkshakes are really good. I think it's good. I get the little crock of baked beans, I think, are good. I think the fries used to be better than they are now. They're okay. The burger's good. You can get like a $4 meal and get like burger and fries in the drive-thru, and it's decent. So, so I like it. The baked beans, I think, are really good. They're always super hot and they burn your mouth. 
I had a milkshake. We had didn't we go there when we were in, in Chicago for Big Time Media Day? Maybe we or went Indianapolis. The, yeah, we were for a oh, Big, Big Time, Time Title, title game. game. We yeah. went. Oh, we, were, right. we went and got milkshakes. Yeah, yeah. Milkshake was really good. It is really good. Also, favorite breakfast pastry from Brock. Hmm. I would. I like a good cinnamon roll. Yeah, me too. It's a Buick breakfast Christmas Day tradition. We get a thing of cinnamon rolls and we just bake them in the oven every Christmas morning. Is it going to make me sound? Hoity-toity if I say a croissant. No. No, that's all about Dunkin' Donuts. Croissants okay. are phenomenal. I love like croissants. Like a a Burger good, King. I like a good buttery croissant. My kids really like the chocolate croissant. Warm it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like a good, good buttery croissant. Also, who will catch more passes this year? I like when everybody's on the same wavelength. Yeah. Brock Doctor on our wavelength. Who will catch more passes, Jalen Harris or Ben Victor? So we've talked about it, but that's a good specific question. Jalen Harris. I'm, I do think Jalen. I'll say Jalen. Manny Chang at Manny C five six zero better wing sauce buffalo or sweet barbecue buffalo sweet barbecue buffalo what is buffalo sauce like cayenne pepper hot sauce and I think a little bit of butter really I think yeah because it's in, you know it's not made from a buffalo I know that but I wouldn't know <laughs> no, there's buffalo tears actually in every, yeah. every jar uh, I don't know what flavor that is like if someone said I like I really enjoy I would never get boneless wings or wings with anything other than buffalo. Just I vary my – I like it pretty hot. But I would never get garlic parmesan or whatever because yeah. I want the buffalo. But I don't know what that flavor is. If someone said, oh, you really like buffalo sauce, that means you enjoy the flavor flavor profile of blank. I would say I have no – I have no way – I don't know. Hot. I'm going to look it up. Hotness. Is that a thing? Is that is a hot, Is hotness a flavor? So that is my very unsophisticated – Flavor abilities. Um, Jordan Steele asked about the Damon Arnett number change. We don't have an answer yet to Jordan Steele. We'll work on it. He points out veterans don't switch their single-digit numbers to a number like 46. They do not. There was famously a Jim Trestle took Ray Small's number one time and made him from a single-digit number into the 80s, and that was like a big thing of like he took Ray Small's number to send a message, and like it's not an accident. Eric Smith went from number one to number 40, whatever Damon Arnett is, for a little bit last year. But the weird thing is, yeah, and not 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 because probably everything because of promotion. Yeah, I don't know. He, it also might have been like Eric Smith's preferred number. I'm and there's sure. some special teams, but like there is no three. There's no three at all right now. So that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like that's the only open single digit number. Um, sauce consisting of a vinegar based cayenne pepper hot sauce and melted butter. I don't like vinegar. I don't like. I don't like. Uh, yes, you do. You just don't know it. I don't like buffalo wings anymore. <laughs> Thanks for ruining my favorite food for me. Um, I think that's about it. Oh, let's do. Who are you guys good at, at mustard? I'm, I'm great at mustard. I'm not a mustard expert. I'm not a mustard expert either. So this oh, is for Landis, Jason, M. Antris. Always good questions. If Burrow, Haskins, and Martell were mustard types, who would be Dijon, Honey, Spicy Brown, Plain Yellow? None of them are plain yellow. Okay. Uh. I don't know. What's the fanciest one? Dijon is fancy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Dwayne Haskins is fancy. Okay. And I think Joe Burrow might be plain yellow because I think Joe Burrow just wants to put plain yellow mustard on a hot dog and go watch the Cavs. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Tate Martell, Spicy Brown. Yeah. Of course. And that'll do it for this Buckeye talk. A note: you did hear intro music at the start of this show, and shortly. You will hear outro music. 
That's because we did a poll after last week when Landis said he did not like our bumper music. We said, should we keep it or get rid of it? 221 Twitter votes. 73% keep the intro music. So kept it is. Uh, I did correspond with an actual singer-songwriter who might be interested in letting us use one of his things. So we'll see um, what happens with that. But also people did turn out for Too Cool. People did say that Too Cool, which is the name of the song we use now, uh, means Buckeye Talk to them. So that means something to us. Plus, Tim and I liked it to begin with anyway. So um, thanks to you guys for listening. Follow Landis in Boise this week. Ohio State football off on spring break. We will have football stories, however. Uh, And then back next Monday with more interviews with Ohio State football players as we continue to roll through spring football. So for Bill Landis, follow him on Twitter at BillLandis25. For Tim Bielek, follow him on Twitter at Tim Bielek. For me, follow me on Twitter at Maurice. We always appreciate you guys listening. And that was Buckeye Talk.